<coughs> the year is 2004. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Shoutouts. And this is my marvelous year. Variant cover. So my Marvel is here, uh, the comic book podcast where we go through all of the Marvel Universe from its origins to today. I'm Charlotte, your comic book rainbow belt, and today I'm joined by people who aren't legally allowed to talk about Secret Invasion, maybe, we don't know, we weren't, talking, we weren't about to talk about it uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> it's, we have, oh my god, I don't, <laughs> I got this nothing. Is, oh no, you were doing pretty good. <laughs> no, it was so bad. <laughs> Oh, uh, it was okay. Don't break the illusion. Oh boy, I yeah, this is this is a disaster. Uh, like Secret Invasion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's something we're not talking about. Secret Invasion. Why is this nope, the topic? Not. <laughs> so you just, just got Zach. fixated Hi, Zach, in the going? black hole <laughs> of Secret Invasion. Yep. Yeah, Zach. Please introduce yourself. What should people know about you? Uh, I am the dark, shadowy version of Dave that rules behind the scenes. Uh, turns the wheels. Of, I don't know. Doing an immortal Thor bit. Um, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> oh, none wow. of us had an intro this week, and nope. uh, we just so tried just to threw me onto the fire. Um, I am confident you, you that Utgard okay. <laughs> Dave would not just be Dark Zach, mm, right? Okay. Like I, we definitely have different dark mirrors to ourselves. I think mm, mm, you know. Mm. Yes, I think um, I think Zach is the the dark host of the podcast he he's the the That's evil fair. villain that we we keep on our side because we have to mm-hmm. <laughs> it is have useful to, to have a villain right a show <laughs> yeah Fine. Yeah, that's that's a detail. I'm so glad we brought you on to this show, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be insulted like this. Yep. Oh boy. Um, it's yeah. A very, yeah. This is it's a very cover week. We're doing. Uh, we're, where are we? We're 2004, and uh, we're doing kind of a grab bag episode. Uh, yeah. You can listen to this one. What are we, Dave? We're talking to talk about some current events in the world of comic book journalism. We're going to talk about a little bit of what's going on with Marvel right now. We're going to try to stay pretty spoiler free. But you know, do you want to try to like put that stuff towards the last thing we talk about in the episode, just so that if we talk about Al Ewing and Immortal Thor just a little bit in broad strokes, but if people don't want to hear that, they can tune out at that point, maybe. Yeah, uh, outside of everything we just reasonable. said about Edgar stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not really. <laughs> yep. That's about as... <laughs> if, that, if that means something to you already, you're yeah. fine. You're not yeah, going to yeah, be yeah, yeah. spoiled. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, uh, and then maybe answering some listener questions. So, yeah. Yeah, have a fun variant cover. A little bit of a, a eclectic mix of things. But that's what it's here for. Dave, how are you today? <laughs> This is this is something. Let's let's do this. We have a lot of good things. Yeah, we to just talk haven't heard from you that much. I just want to see questions. How are you doing? Uh, thanks. I'm doing well. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate I appreciate you asking. I'm I'm trying to sustain rage at Mark mm-hmm. Miller. Mm-hmm. Trying okay. to sustain. <laughs> it's going poorly. I've realized that. So like, all the bad actors 
in comics media, YouTube in particular, right? The trick that they can pull, the diff, the biggest difference between them and the light is they can be mad all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that my life is too good <laughs> to be that mad all the time. You know, I just can't do it. Like, like to counter that, you would also have to sustain that rage. It actually very much to me parallels like like the MAGA crowd, right? And like like the Trump, the cult of Trump kind of thing where it's just like, yeah, you just have to be really mad all the time to sustain that. Um, and that's hard to do. So I'm trying. I'm trying my best. I remind, Every morning I wake up and I look at Mark Miller courting the Comics Hate channels. I watch those videos. I spend an hour doing that. Okay, doing push-ups the whole time, and I'm every morning. So that's my regimen now: is sustained rage. Regimen, yeah. At the at the turn of Mark Miller, and we've been complimentary, or I have of Marvel Mark. I'm fairly, you know, I I don't think that episode's come out, but we're probably we're about to maybe next week's episode. It is next week's episode. Charlotte and I cover a bunch of Mark Miller stuff, and I fawn over it (laughs) like crazy. It's the best, (laughs) yeah, yeah, totally. I've ever read which. Which is yeah. like, I, I do very much value being honest about work and how the art impacts you, regardless of the behavior, right? Of a, Especially if you learn it after the fact, you know? Like, you had a reaction to that work. You shouldn't fake that, necessarily, um, just because you don't like the person. But what I, anyway, the point is, if people are like, what are you talking about? Um, Mark Miller, like, is like really eagerly courting... All of like the most reactionary right wing kind of hateful channels on YouTube. I don't know why he doesn't need that. <laughs> He's pretty popular. It's yeah, very confusing. It's... it's weird. It's far from surprising, but it's like it it drives me up a flipping wall because Miller has a really big presence in comics. You know, like he yeah. works with the best artists, has all this money from Netflix to court them in and produce <laughs> very forgettable comic <laughs> books. You know, like like his 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 writing and storytelling is is an atrocity over the past fifteen years, um, but nonetheless has a tremendous position of influence. And anyway, that's not really what we're going to focus on. But all of that kind of does dovetail too into like there's this sense right now of of dying comics, which there always is, but like it's really it seems to be kind of peaking. It seems to have some real momentum, and I think one of the challenges right now is. Everyone kind of thinks like Marvel, for example, has a problem and is in some real trouble. But Zach, you know, you you share this with me. It's like everyone thinks that, but depending on sort of your your political leanings, like you think it for different reasons, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like sure. we're ultimately in agreement that Marvel's in trouble, but there's there's you know, it's like because they went woke, right, for the reactionary crowd. But then like on my side, it's like well, because there's no center to their universe and they're managed by a nostalgia obsessive editor in chief um, who pretended to be an Asian man to get work back in the early 2000s. Uh, anyway, anyway, I don't know. We, we have topics. I swear we have topics. That's what's <laughs> no, no, on that, my mind. That's like, that's a fair thing. To go I, I was like, I was catching up on your recent uh, live streams on your YouTube channel recently. And yeah. I think at the beginning of one, one of them, like you were excited to talk about like good X-Men comics. I think Hellfire Gala, that stuff. And like uh-huh. the first question you got asked in the five, first five minutes if it was if you liked Kick-Ass, the comic. <laughs> Just like <laughs> completely dropping your excitement about like recent <laughs> X-Men comics to talk about Mark Miller and what's going on in that corner of the comics world. Yeah. And it's like, 
there's a there's a real weird like I don't know like paradox to me in yeah I I don't re- like that's not a secret I don't really like Mark Miller stuff uh, I think the rare comics I've liked are like I really like his Ultimates the, the first one and I mm-hmm. I actually kind of liked the comics we talked about uh, for one of the next week or like the week after that uh, for MMY. Uh, le- definitely less than Zach, but I thought one of them I thought was actually pretty good. Um, but like I'm, I'm not a Mark Miller fan, and like I see a lot of people, people really not responding well to to his comics, like not not being fans of it, especially online and like in the kind of comic circles I'm a part of. But then like I've worked at like a comic book shop where like every week you get so many. Like Nemesis was one of the main like independent comics we sold like that he's he's new um, like independent stuff that is now my that is now my second or third least favorite comic of all time yeah (laughs) which is like (laughs) i've read it recently there's such a like wild difference between those two worlds of of people reading comics right and like mark miller seems to be in some ways at the center of it of that like of that dichotomy um which is interesting to me like how yeah, that's like that's very much the difference between the two the two extreme opposite sides of of liking comics, and then in the middle you have Zach, who's like, I'm I'm okay, I like I like this. See, comics, but I would say Zach, Zach is like the like the very normal yeah exactly. person, right? <laughs> who's like who's like you know just like a big normie who is a real big normie, very <laughs> I, tall. My, my tastes um, run yeah very mainstream when it comes to comic books. I think I think I just align with the common man on comic books. Everyone's always yes. agreed with that. No, one <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, you have a healthy distance from fandom, is what oh, I mean. Oh, yeah, that. probably right. You know, right. I, I have. If anything, you can dip your toes in, but you will dip your foe out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. Um, Mark Miller saying this stuff is wild. Uh, it's 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 so petty from him of all people uh, to do it. But it also is just the fact that, like, you know, if you look at what Marvel's putting out, it's like. 20% of its throwback stuff already. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it it doesn't ring true for me at all. I I don't know. I don't understand the impulse uh for that like in no world is any other creative medium where people are like, "Oh, you know, they're struggling to adapt." Well, we got to go back 30 years. Like what were we doing 30 years ago? I yeah. I I have no idea. Um I don't know. It also it may be like <laughs> I have zero rage about this, Dave. You've been trying to sustain it all week. I, <laughs> I also was just wasn't that surprised. I was kind of like, oh yeah, sure, that sounds like something he'd be. I was not. I was say. not surprised by the behavior. I mean, if you if you pay attention to Mark Miller, which I don't. I mean, which is part of this, you know. People, you know, people because after I share this, people are like, oh yeah, he follows, you know, yada yada on Twitter and this and that. Like it's, you know, he's this is politically probably more where he is he's he's endorsing rfk jr right now <laughs> you know like very publicly right well i mean discussed. let's not start throwing stones about <laughs> supporting rfk jr he's got some good ideas he's got some great muscles oh boy uh, <laughs> some great muscles yeah he's really strong have you not, <laughs> <laughs> have you not seen okay. these videos of him like bench pressing these very strange videos of like him why would, he, would, he, would Dude, we have seen those videos? because yeah. oh, I mean, it's half of his platform position <laughs> i'm gonna i send you these okay please maybe at the talk. end of the show you can you can tell us more about the strength of his platform oh, based on the strength of his bench oh, press pets, yeah. <laughs> i do actually that's actually a pretty funny way to approach politics is to be like yeah no one cares about the issues anyway 
So I'm just going to show how literally strong I am <laughs> and hope that that wins the votes. He'll be um, like, but, he, he will be like, oh, do you want a feeble old man and Joe Biden the presidency? And then he'll pull yeah. off his shirt and then go do like one and a half reps <laughs> of like 70 pounds <laughs> uh, bench pressing it and then like turn, you know, and then he's done. Uh, it's that's it. That's an SNL bit. Yeah, yeah, that's not he's, real. He's so good. That's a, that's a Mark Miller bit. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, anyway, to, yeah. to round it out, where I was going with that is to say, like, I'm not actually surprised, but I am genuinely angry about this being a win for the flippin' losers. Like, this is a win for the biggest losers in comics, I think, hmm. um, to have friendly Mark come and boost their platforms and that is upsetting to me actually you know uh and i don't know that he fully even realizes what he's doing you know maybe he does maybe he doesn't uh but it's pretty concerted and it is one of those things where it's like this is a win for the losers and that sucks because he's got a big audience like charlotte said you know the stuff sells and i've been having this fight kind of in my own head, but also with some, you know, commenters on YouTube and stuff where it's just like, it's so obvious to me that sales do not equal quality. Like, oh, it's yeah, so that's weird to me. such a stupid <laughs> angle to this, too. I forgot about that. I wanted to yell about that, too. Yeah, well, it's just, and it's, I think there's a real, I think a lot of people's brains broke in ter- <laughs> in a lot of ways, yep. <laughs> right? But as, But in terms of, like, how we evaluate art and storytelling, because of these box office wars, you know, and kind of this this narrative obsession with how many dollars went into Bob Iger's pocket, you know, but as a but as a measure of like my fandom is the best fandom, you know, mm-hmm. where like like yeah, the yeah. like the Avengers Endgame versus Avatar Wars to eclipse a billion dollars, it's like all that money just went into Bob Iger's pocket. You didn't get a cent of that. Why are you so excited? <laughs> And I, there's a part of me that kind of understands the like the initial thinking, which is okay. If these comic movies make a bunch of money, they're gonna keep making them, and that's great. That's cool. That's good for comics in this industry. Um, that part of the thinking I get, but like we're so far beyond that now, <laughs> you know. And 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 it applies to comic sales too, where it's like I, I saw this in regards recently, and I. I kind of jumped on it. It was it wasn't really fair to the person who was sharing it because they weren't <laughs> they weren't actually being critical. Um, but they Twitter were bullying. Basically, okay. yeah, I was a little bit. Um, but they were like, you know, Al, it's like it's weird how Al Ewing's so celebrated as a comics writer right now, and I'm definitely a cheerleader. Um, and uh, but you know, the stuff like like his Defender series uh, reportedly didn't sell well enough that like he can finish the trilogy with Javier Rodriguez, you know, something like that. And it drives me up a wall. In terms of the fandom, you know, kind of understanding of like, well, these things don't sell, so they must not actually be that good, which is, it's like, this does not equal that. Um, But then also drives me up a wall because of Marvel and because of Marvel publishing approaches where it's like, it's such, it's such short-term thinking, you know, people will be like, oh, well, you know, the book didn't sell as well as they wanted, so they're not going to make more of it, which obviously like economically, you're like, yeah, of course. But then it's like, as a publisher, you can say we believe in the quality of something and we see the long-term future of this selling in collections or of people reading this digitally down the road. You know what I mean? Like you can make that call. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always have to be about the immediate print dollar. 
Oh yeah, in that's comics. Also, yeah, that, that's such a crazy short sightedness of. Uh, I think about this with Marvel and DC actually all the time, where like they're cutting off critically acclaimed runs and not allowing like any word of mouth to spread mm-hmm. about something. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, I mean, Immortal Hulk sold well, right? But that comic like is going to live in like not into perpetuity but like it's going to live into the future through people like revisiting it and revisiting it and revisiting it and they're gonna you know make more money and more profit on like resales of that even if it didn't sell like wolverine or spider-man at the time all the wolverine Hulk was also comics that were forgotten from the same time it came out are not going to be like yeah sold in trade paperbacks and hardcovers and moving forward whereas immortal hulk will because you know you want those prestige titles that like bring people back and back and back um yeah yeah so like that's definitely a short-sightedness well and that's just marvel just so doesn't get that right now and i've talked about this before but it's like listen dc black label gets it Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you love all the books they get that these are going to be some of these are going to hit in prestige collections that are going to be perennial sellers for this publisher that james gunn is going to be able to turn around and tweet about and say, hey, this one's awesome, and that specific work is going to go to the top of the pops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas Marvel, like, they don't make books like that. <laughs> and listen, I love ongoing comics. I love the mess of shared continuities, but play the market a little. <laughs> like, play it just a little bit. The only perennial bestseller that Marvel has added in the last, I mean, since 2016... That's a bad example. But in the last five years is is the Immortal Hulk omnibus and like House of X and Powers of Ten. And you yeah. know? Yeah. And those are ongoing continuity books too, is kind of yeah. the miracle of them. Yeah. Um so yeah, the whole the whole mess of it. It's just it's it's tangled in a lot of different threads and and all of it is kind of like it all kind of builds to be depressing <laughs> and and make you feel like comics are are really in a tough spot. Um, but then, you know, I have to take a step back and be like, yeah, but there's so many good comics still, and there's so much to love in terms of the storytelling and the work being done in this medium. Like, comics are fine. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, that's the other angle of, like, oh, comics are dying, and it's like, well, you know, only if you're someone who's looking at... I mean, not even only if you're looking at uh, the finances, because they're not financially dead, but... Uh, yeah, there's so much good creative work. So unless like you're just you just care about the financial aspects, like who, who, who do you care? I mean, Mark Miller saying that like I don't know where his angle is coming from because I'm sure he has made a lot of money with especially with all of his uh, TV and movie deals. Mm-hmm. So like that angle is very confusing. Um, but yeah, I don't it, I don't want to give I don't want to give the actual content of his his. Um, thoughts on hate channels any validity in talking about them i will say it's not an uninteresting conversation i disagree with what he actually said but i actually don't want to give it a spotlight because of where it was shared um i just don't want to give that visibility uh but I, yeah i don't know it is one of those things where it's like you have you know like miller's going to progress into rob liefeld right like they're going to be mm-hmm. very similar yeah. in terms of their attitudes and their comments on the comics industry which is going to be outspoken, very negative. The old days were always better, and I know best how to fix things. And if if Marvel's behavior with Rob Liefeld, which is constant courting <laughs> and really desperately trying to get him to do work for them, is any indication, they're probably going to have a Mark Miller book in the next two, three years. You know? 
Um, and in a, it, like if you had told me that six months ago, I'd have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Of course, you want to sell comics. Yeah, you know. Right. But I don't, the, the whole thing is just kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does sound like you're trying to get angry again. <laughs> really trying. Yeah. Yeah, a, it's also like oh, we, you sorry. can't you can't keep selling, which is what Marvel is doing. You can't keep selling books to the people you that are already buying your books, right? <laughs> like you have to get out of that right right new stuff, which Marvel isn't doing. Marvel doesn't have tin books. Marvel doesn't have like it, it has like a dwindling supply of like queer and like non-white books, right? So like and and queer and non-white writers as well and female writers like who like the Captain Marvel is ending. Who's like who's like a big female writer on a Marvel series right now? Um, so like it, Marvel is like only selling to that audience or like mainly selling to that audience that they already have in their pockets and like increasingly getting away from the the audience that is like kind of outside of that that they would need to to expand to 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 be in better in better shape um yeah. and so like the advice of being oh let's do what we did 30 years ago is like no you already have those guys like go see elsewhere go see what else you can do um which like is yeah, which they they don't do enough, and and listening to to that kind of of uh, what Mark Miller or, or Rob Liefeld is, is is saying, like that's that's both stupid because it's like born from a place of, of like I mean hate in some ways, uh, but also like it's not it's not financially smart. <laughs> it's stupid. You're like you can't you already have those guys. Go go see what else you can do. Uh, yes, it's, right. it's, it's it's annoying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're a new fan. Like, if you're a new comics fan, right? You saw some movies and you're like, I'm excited. I want to get into this medium. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough ask to get into Marvel right now. <laughs> and, you know? and to not be handed comics that are, you know, where do I start with Marvel comics? Like, and not have someone point you to comics that are at least 20 years old. Uh, or, right. or comics that are new but feel like they're at least 20 years old. <laughs> like, oh, check out this brand new Maestro series from two months ago, yeah but that's, that's should no be one's from three, pointing you in that direction right let's no yeah. but like yeah 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 um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we so all agree nostalgia <laughs> is is a problem and our podcast is going to continue going through the history of Marvel comics from its origins <laughs> to today and only and tearing about that nostalgia comics. to the ground except <laughs> yep. when it comes to mark miller comics next week where i <laughs> just praise them up and down <laughs> I do think, you know, I do think one thing with the with the project, right, with the Mimer this year that I I do feel like is important is, like, it's okay to have loved things. <laughs> it's okay to feel nostalgic towards things. That is not what I'm critical of because, I obviously, I do that too, right? And I think, you know, when we – the one thing we do in the journey is kind of highlight, like, we have these comics. We have them, and we can go back and celebrate them and enjoy them. We don't need them reproduced. We have them. Go read them. It's easier than ever. Yeah. You know? The the idea of like reproducing or or mirroring them in very similar ways, it's like, no, move beyond. Why would I want them reproduced? I have them. I'm good. Yeah. You know? It's very creatively uh stale, I guess. It is. It's like take inspiration, but don't copy. Don't return to the source. You know? Anyway. Uh I, I didn't really want to spend that much time on that but obviously like i said i've been training to be mad all week and i had to <laughs> i probably sounded like i like listeners listen i apologize for the rage 
in my voice that you just had to hear. That was probably a little scary. <laughs> it, it does genuinely guess. sound like you're trying to summon it again. So I don't, I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> I don't so, actually. You can't see it, but Dave has been hulking on and off uh, for the for the past 20 minutes. Well, I put, I'm literally wearing my Professor Hulk glasses right now just to <laughs> oh, try perfect. to keep myself calm. Perfect. Just to keep myself calm. Because uh, otherwise I can't do it. No, I, I really, I don't. I don't walk around mad about these things. <laughs> I promise. Uh, but the the Mark Miller stuff, I did see it. It was like, I just, I don't want big name creators with audiences yeah. to be supporting this garbage, you know, inadvertently or not. That actually. Yeah, me. for sure. Because I mean, you know, if you actually listen to like what Mark Miller's saying, it's like, oh, okay, it's like in, in a bubble, it doesn't sound that bad. But then you realize he's going on a podcast that's, you know, like. Here uh, at Defenders of Western Civilization, we're concerned. But, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and yep, everything right. that they ever tweet is about, you know, like, oh, this new woke movie is doing poorly in the box office, whereas good old-fashioned uh, white guy action movie doing well. Studios, when will you learn? Like, you know, they obviously give the game away immediately with the uh, yeah. content. Dave, you have 1,000 stories on your best comics of all time list. I, I don't yet, but I'm oh, approaching yeah. it. Okay, close enough. Uh, I, I like this question. Someone said if uh, you if someone randomized the entire list, yeah, uh, shuffled it, how close do you think you can get back to where you were? Um, yeah, I'm curious about this because then it kind of gives away like the idea of like how much of this stuff is like oh I remember reading that ten years ago. I guess I'll slot it in here where that right. like that might change or um, yeah. Do you think you could? throw that back together pretty accurate. yeah so this is the best comics of all time list dave's yep. faves on on comic herald um and this was a question in the slack which also sorry publish the entire list okay the people are clamoring for it what do you, you have, think like, so 100 comics 200 comics? when i get to a thousand do i publish the whole thing oh God, yeah well if if for no other reason you know to update even the top 250 which you have shuffled around a lot right um well i i i updated every couple months when i add stuff (laughs) oops yeah yeah no i do updates regularly um but yeah i only published the top 500 Mm, i capped it because well the reason i started doing that was because i'm calling it the best comics of all time Mm, and mm -hmm, it's kind of weird to then have you know my least favorite comic of all time Mm, at mm -hmm. number 500 or whatever right so anyway but yeah no i'll once i get to a thousand i'll i'll do something for it maybe you just need the delineation like i did on my list of like Everything below here, I hate. Tears. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. right. Just, do, um, just publish one, like the name of one comic every day for a thousand days, like going from the least favorite <laughs> to your favorite. That's a pretty good idea. The, yeah. the, the uh, last year is just, here's a comic a day that I just hate. hate. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> probably just instead like, of just Instead like, of going reverse. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the question was interesting. I definitely I think last night I answered and I, I overestimated probably a little bit the degree of accuracy that I would have. I mean I'm sure it would look different. Um and there's there are definitely a few things where like you know, I read them early in my, my comics experience and then uh now I would if I was revisiting and really re ranking everything, I'd probably think about it differently, you know? Um, I think there's an inherent recency bias that goes into any activity like this that is really hard to shake. Um, and one thing I always fight against, too, is like, you know, I have a sense now of cool people with good taste and what I think they might think, you know, <laughs> and then and then that seeping into 
well, everybody thinks this comic's really cool, so I want to seem cool, so I'll move that up, right? I try to fight against that, but I'd be lying if I said that didn't enter my thought process. Um, all of which is to say, great question. I could definitely keep the top 10 the same. The top 50 would probably have the same comics, but in different order. You know, things would get shuffled mm-hmm. a position or two. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Everything from like 200 to, to 800. No, from like 200 to like 600 would definitely shuffle a lot. Um, actually, maybe th- the, the 300 to like 650 range is kind of all comics I like, you know? And uh, like, for example, like right now uh, at 300, I've got Spider-Man, Human Torch, I'm with Stupid. We just read that for the club. That is not that good. <laughs> that's my <laughs> that's my dance slot in Thai Temple. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is at three hundred. That's weird. I've got that ahead of Jane Foster, Era of Mighty Thor. I've oh, got wow. that ahead right now of Jonathan Hickman's Pax Romana. Um, listen, that one is startling. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah. there are definitely a lot of things that would reorder. I think the top and the bottom would stay the same. Um, I'd be I'd be within some percentage of accuracy, but like yeah, def things would move for sure. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things where it's like, you know, you build it and then you work off of what you built. So I'm not spending eight hours every time I adjust this thing, you know. But there there are definitely oddities I think that I don't agree with now, and I, I change those occasionally. But just like for example, like if I see a Spider-Man Human Torch comic way too high. Like, that's 300 <laughs> spots too high. That that doesn't happen often, actually. It's that's pretty, pretty rare. And though somehow I just noticed that. Okay. Do you do you keep, a, like, a history of your the, previ- the previous versions of your list? Like, like do you no. have, like, a secret version from 10 years ago when where Alpha Flight was number two or something? <laughs> <laughs> Shameful version. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, do you? No, I don't really. I mean, there's probably a change log. Yeah. Um, that would that would be, I guess I don't. It'd be kind of fun to consider like a power rankings. You know, kind of like, okay, what's the movement on certain things? Yeah, and then not... you do like a top ten of your best list of your best list. Like you start ranking, <laughs> My favorite. ranking the list themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, it would really get messy. Yep. Um, I, the I mean the main reason I don't do that is like I said I don't move stuff that's already ranked with with tremendous regularity yeah you know it's more like usually the way it'll happen is so for example right now the comics that i read recently that i'm gonna rank i got beowulf which is one of my favorites of this year recommend both of you read it it's like beowulf but from this like uh this like mythological poetry version but like with kids yeah. and it, but it like it but it's not for kids i don't think i mean i guess i guess it would fall into ya but really it's it's kind of anyway i find it absolutely delightful so ranking that you know, I would scroll up to be like, all right, let's look around the 450 area is maybe where I'd start. Um, I got Forever Evil at 450. I'd be like, okay, I like it more than that. Um, now I'm up to 400. That Texas Blood, okay, no, probably not that good. Bitch Planet 404, mm, maybe. And then like, and then I might have the thought of like, do I like Bitch Planet that much, mm-hmm. or do I just feel like I'm supposed to like Bitch Planet? <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. And this is where this is where it gets messy now, because now. I'm like, ah, shoot, I think I need to reread Bitch Planet. (laughs) And, you know, because it's been so long. I'm like, I don't think that book ever even finished. So now I'm like, is that too high? And then just on and on it goes, right? So you kind of, then I'll find these clumps of books, you know, where I'm like, sometimes I'll run into a clump where I just keep thinking like, no, I like everything more than that clump. But then that clump is like 290 to 295 on my list. And it's like, well, if I like everything more than that clump of books, why is it ranked so high? So now I got to re-rank that. Oh, man, it's a lot of work. It's so much work to keep. Listen, people don't realize. 
to keep people a totally don't realize how hard list. it is. <laughs> secret list. This is the world's well, best comics of all time, all Zach. Yeah. I have a lot of a lot of responsibility. With great power comes great fiscal responsibility. I've always said. And uh, the best comics of all time list makes a lot of money, Zach. <laughs> I gotta keep this puppy updated. Is it one of your more like return to uh, pages? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. one of the most popular. Uh, one of those popular pages, um, in many ways, uh, and with good reason. It's because it's so good. I mean, truly, like find me a best comics of all time list better than mine. I dare you. Screenrant.com. Uh, there are like the, <laughs> so first off you're both fired i'll <laughs> i'll hand you your pink slips on the way out uh second off there there are the only things on cbh that i'm like absolutely 100 percent like no i do this better than anyone would be any annotated reading order where i actually gave my all <laughs> i'm like i'm sure this like the secret wars one like this is better than anybody else has i know this mm-hmm. um i don't think that for all reading orders to be clear the and then uh, any best of list. So the best comics of all time. My best. Com- no one is doing a best of the year list where it's updated throughout the year as they read great things like I do. Gen- mm-hmm. Like truly, no one does that. And uh, mine's the best. Those are the things that I think I'm great at. Everything else is uh, middling to average at best, with the exception of Charlotte's amazing essay that she wrote about <laughs> Spider Gwen. Yeah, it was um, right. thank you. Which is which is truly truly excellent. And if you haven't read that yet on Comic Girl, you should check it out. If uh, you know who's got a great like top 100 comics list is NPR. Weirdly enough, sure, um, yeah, they have a really good one. Uh, but yeah, besides that, it's like all the rest all look very similar to one another, right? Like you're gonna get the here's the you know six books that by Alan Moore and Frank Miller and uh, and then Sandman, Bone, Mouse. That's that's basically it mm-hmm. for everyone, so, mm-hmm. which is good. Mm-hmm. Like, all good mm-hmm. comics, but um, I want to talk about overrated comics. Let's get negative again about comics uh what's okay. an overrated comic dave uh, i guess i'll give you a platform to these talk are these, about. Uh, no but i don't think you said these are questions from the slack no no and, I'm uh, asking, uh, you I'm can support <laughs> if you support my marvelous year via patreon.com slash marvelous year one of the benefits is you can join our very cool slack community i got real hopped up on grasshoppers yesterday and i asked our slack community he did an did ama fun questions slack, yeah. <laughs> i did a little ama mm-hmm. sloshed on grasshoppers and uh, <laughs> and got some very good questions. Okay, so this one was was what? What's the most overrated comic? Mm-hmm. It's it of all time, but you know, I don't know. You do all time, Dave. You have a good answer for this. That is a genuine hot. take. It's one of your only, I'd say, hot takes. You know, you're not you're not in the hot take industry. Uh, no, I'm not great at hot takes, <laughs> which yeah. is good. You know, I don't know. Don't have to. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Never mind. I do a lot of hot takes. It's actually good to have hot takes. Um, they're fun. They're they're fun. I, I have nothing against hot takes. So what what do you regularly say as your most overrated comic? I mean, so for me, it's mm. unquestionably V for Vendetta by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. This is ranked number seven hundred and seventeen. That's on a list of nearly one thousand comics. That's uh, crazy. Like you said, it is often. <laughs> I was. A book I that knew about it. I was best ready of for lists, this, and that still like <laughs> that still shocked me. <laughs> and the main reason it's so low is if you've already seen the movie, you just don't need it. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is it's, such a weak version of it's that. It's great comic. to have you in this place, oh Zach. To have you in this role. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun reversal. That move. I saw, I saw the movie at like. I read the comic, 
when I was like 18, 19, and I saw so the you'd movie. you'd read the comic with, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd read the comic first, and I saw the movie in theater. The, in theater. <laughs> in the theaters. Wow. Um, True cinema file. <laughs> yeah, I saw it acted out live on theater. Um, and uh, even at like, I don't know, 19, 20 when it came out, I guess. I, I, I don't remember what year. 2005, so I was 18. I was still like... Oh yeah, it's kind of just like it kind of dulls the experience of reading that comic because <laughs> it does. Like politically, I mean, Alan Moore is you know he's got some radical politics and he's got some radical politics in that book, and the yeah. uh, the movie totally dulls all that stuff down to be about like the Iraq War. What the hell? Did you just start playing music in the background no. to like to like crescendo <laughs> oh, no, I to heard your that point? Too. Where, where I think that? that's me. I think there's there's a, an ambulance uh, in my neighborhood. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, classic <laughs> French ambulances just playing a tune. Yep. They just play classical music. I thought it was like Zach crescendoing to like a yeah. very emotional point I in really his monologue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, movie's fine. I don't want to trash that. Hugo Weaving, great V, obviously, but uh, yeah. Uh, that's a crazy take. It's a great comic. Yeah, I gotta read it again. Very it's overrated, time, so I, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah. I I have it two spots below Monsters at seven hundred and fifteen by Barry Windsor Smith. Oh, that's that's, really a, that's your other hot. That's take. another good one yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I literally use that book to uh, to hold up my laptop. It elevates <laughs> my laptop. It's very thick, yeah. but I use it as a stand. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, Charlotte, I'm about what, are, to read what are your picks for the first time? So yeah. Oh, you haven't read it yet? No, we're reading it for next month's extra issues. We're covering oh, um, yeah. both monsters and or monster, monster monster special, and uh, covering my favorite thing is monsters on one episode. Which I, I'm, so is, is I'm realizing a... we should have kept for October, like doing monster stuff for, for mm-hmm. Halloween. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So it's Fantagraphics is the theme still, but you're doing the two mega monsters books together. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. What are, What are both of your picks for overrated comics? Charlotte, do you have one? Um, I mean, I didn't think I had one, and I was looking like like some some best comics of all time lists, including including uh, Dave's, and I didn't think that it was that hard of a tag until I saw where Dave ranked it. So <laughs> Dave ranked this uh, twelve spots above Superior Spider-Man, two spots above Black Panther by Ta-Nehisi Coates, and only four spots behind Hickman's X-Men, and it's lock and key. Which I found to be an incredibly boring uh, comic. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and I are on, you know, Charlotte, let's, let's clasp hands. I think Lock and Key is very overrated. Yeah, it's, I do too, yeah. It's not That's a, bad, but oh, it's, go ahead, go ahead. it's not that good either. Like, it's And it's ugly. Okay oh, it's ugly. Best. Damn. Ugly. It's, ugly. it's so ugly. It's such a bad... What? I, I hate the art of That's comic. offensive. Zach, yeah. Dave has this 11 spots above Electra Assassin. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> okay, let me let. I feel like a lot of slander has been thrown my way. Yeah, this just now. this just turned it's me. above Ms. Marvel. Oh, it he has it basically ranked <laughs> right next to Immortal Hulk. That's nuts. Come yeah, on, what the Marvel. hell were you? <laughs> Let's just turn this into okay. a slandering. Okay, <laughs> let me say. So when lock we Zach we've had this argument before about uh, lock and key because yeah, I had it yeah. ranked very high and you were like, how dare you? Yep. And and then when the TV series came out. Um, John Galati and I did a deep dive on Lock and Key, so I reread the whole thing. And in that conversation, I think both of us were having kind of a similar um, uh, reconciliation, which was realizing, like, 
oh yeah, I used to love this, <laughs> but it's really hard to defend now <laughs> in yeah. the same way and with the same passion. So Lock and Key has moved down like a hundred spots. Was it high? Wait, uh, oh, it was, it was way it was, higher. It was like in the top fifty oh when yes. I first God. confronted him. I yeah. moved it. I moved it down significantly. I still like the book. I do. I think it's a fun premise. I think it's well executed. I like Gabrielle Rodriguez's cartoonish style. Um, I think Zach calling it ugly is one of the great crimes of this day that I've encountered. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I like. I do like the mystery of it and and such. Do you like it but better like, than Ms. Marvel? Listen. I'm yeah, sorry, I don't yeah. know. Like when you when you say it's too high, I mean I'm immediately defensive because I don't I don't actually necessarily want to argue that. Like if you were talking about Secret Wars eighty four at one forty eight, then I'd be like, Yeah, I can defend that. Yeah. I know I can defend that. Whereas Lock and Key, I'm like, No, you're right. <laughs> like I immediately cave. And obviously that means I should probably move it down. But yeah. that's what I'm saying about about not reordering stuff in this range, you know, too often. Certain things just kind of have been sitting there, and under the spotlight, like yeah, I'd probably I'd probably move it. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the main thing that that I'm hung up on is is it being higher than Ms. Marvel because I think those are two books that are like trying to be teen books, like aimed at that that audience. And I think Lock and Key for me is like such an old guy trying to write a teen book for me. Yeah, whereas, like Ms. Marvel is very very good at being like a great teen superhero book. Um, See, but the thing yeah. about the thing about Miss Marvel and ranking it is, I'm ranking the whole run too. You know, yeah, so I, that's it, fair. it is less consistent. That's fair. It is less of a piece. Yeah, everyone and, just and thinks kind of that one first full trade, story for sure. Right. Yeah. I'm not just ranking New Normal. Like I'm yeah. ranking, you know, through Secret Wars: The Last Days. Um, uh, I need sometimes to stop that's a, that sometimes that's a benefit. Yeah. yeah this is not oh, about. Sure. I mean, but that's the thing is, like, everyone <laughs> should everyone should want to reorder and reshuffle these things. The difference is. You, no one else has such a list. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, yeah. like make your own. Like, I have no problems with Just that. The, I, I right? saw New Mutants and and Nice House on the Lake like below again, and I'm like, I, I, I gotta stop. <laughs> I gotta stop this. Or we're, or we're gonna be doing this for the rest of the episode. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, no, and there are certain things that like I could defend them on a case by case basis, but yeah, there there are definitely entries in there where I'm like, yeah, that was that was ten years ago, me. Yeah. Um, but I don't always want to fight that too, because that the other thing about that is like that actually probably reflects where a lot of comics readers are going to be at when they're looking through a list like this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's hard. Sure. Like for example, like my love of ultimate Spider-Man dwindled over the course of rereading it for my ultimate year. But then it's like, yeah, but I don't want to penalize it because you know, and, and pretend it wasn't like my favorite thing when I was super getting into comics, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of yeah. like trying to reconcile those two experiences. No, that's like, that's interesting that essentially what you're doing is, collaboratively writing a a a list with like other versions of yourself from different time periods yeah which is like so which version of dave is right like just because you're the one from right now are you the one that's right like that's that's an interesting exercise yeah Yeah, exactly yeah my pick uh i i've been sweating about this like all morning i was thinking about this and weirdly enough for being you know, loving to slay those alpha sacred flight. cows alpha when we're flight. talking. <laughs> yeah, it's alpha <laughs> flag. I'm no. Um, <clears throat> I had a hard time like choosing something that I think is like really overrated because I actually kind of align generally with a lot of the the best comics of all time list. I don't look at it and go like, well, that sucks. That sucks. That sucks. Like, 
You, no, I just want to. I just want to clarify ahead of time. You cannot pick Invincible. We have a, yeah. A whole so Invincible coming, is like. So you cannot my, pick that. Yeah, that's my like really obvious answer, and it falls into the same category as like Ultimate Spider-Man, where I'm like, you know, I don't actually think we'll get to it when we cover it, but I don't think it's a disaster. But I just think it's you know Invincible to this day. I see all the time Reddit threads where people are insanely over the moon about this comic like people love this comic unequivocally will not uh, deal with any critique of this comic so like it is beloved so like yeah finding an actual uh trying to find something that feels a little spicy the closest thing i could think and i think this is gonna ruffle a little feathers on this podcast i think black hammer a little bit black hammer is a little overrated and i actually quite like black hammer uh, I have like I've been buying the library editions like I have I like it enough that I'm putting it on my shelf but even so I think the praise that it gets and the like level of adoration it, it does when I read it I'm like hmm I'm, either I'm missing something or again it's just a like unless there's something big I'm missing about this I think again it's a little bit of people being like ooh it's new superheroes it's superheroes but it's not be- uh, beholden to the like big two trappings of you know never being able to change things which is something that like superhero fans love and they love to like overvalue a little bit so i'll say black hammer it's a little overrated um but it's still very good that's a shockingly tepid i know uh, it's tough for you yeah (laughs) i know i can't i couldn't find one i was like i'm scrolling through your list i'm scrolling through other lists and i'm like bone i love bone mr miracle that's great mouse you know excellent like sandman is very good you know all these comics like yeah scott pilgrim maybe is a little like held up i but i, I quite like scott pilgrim still so like <laughs> it's not over blankets Charlotte, maybe? What's, uh, blankets overrated. blankets you could but i like, certainly I, you could make a 20 years think, later case against yeah. blankets yeah but like I, I don't know yeah it worked for me when i was that age i guess yes exactly yeah. um charlotte have you read scott pilgrim I haven't read Scott Perry. I want to. I want to read it before the the show comes out. I'm curious about yeah. about seeing the show while having read the comic. But no, I, yeah. I've only seen the movie. I haven't. I haven't read the comic. Okay, I'd be. Great I'd be movie. curious how Love how much yeah. you did or didn't like it. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie a lot actually. Yeah. Um, enjoy the comics more though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe it'll be an extra issues thing. That would be. It's pretty breezy. Ooh, so we sure, could cover yeah. it and we could probably cover it in one episode. You know what? I could use both of you um, doing an extra issues on. Oh boy, here it comes! <laughs> oh yeah, Charlotte, Dave. I Charlotte, Dave. Sorry. Charlotte, Zach, I promise no <laughs> editorial interference, and you know you'll have free creative reign of the podcast. Six Never months said. later, here comes. <laughs> Never said any of these words. Here comes editor in chief Dave, cracking the yeah. whip. Okay, what is it, Dave? You want us to cover all okay, of the Hickman so verse? You're ne- no, I've already done that. Thank you uh, for your next for your next series, 2000 AD. I need to do a 2000. Oh yeah, podcast, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> which I think would actually be pretty fun. It's and okay. and is not something that that I have ever spent the time doing. I mean, do you remember I was reading this like 6 months ago? I was reading a bunch no, of 2000 AD. I don't. We, we talked about it on the show, Dave. It's there's a recorded. Let me let me find the episode and play it back. I'm not saying you didn't. I'm just saying I don't remember. No, it's fine. Um yeah, because one of the crazy things about 2000 AD, it is extremely hard to find back issues of it yes you only can find like collections so i like but i did find a pirated like a torrent of it which is of course too bad because i they have like a <clears throat> they have an app kind of like marvel unlimited but it only goes back like a handful of years um 
So I'm, I'm not sure if it, they haven't digitized it or uh, or what, but yeah, all yeah. their early stuff. But you know, you probably it, it's a uh, 2000 AD is a anthology comic. <clears throat> you generally don't want to emotional like, about this. Yeah, yeah I just you had a good time <laughs> going through these. Yeah, you generally don't want to like just sit and read like from issue one. That's an insane person's uh, tactic. Which that seems a, preposterous with 2000 totally. AD because there's like yeah. 2500 issues. That's like a historian's approach to this, for right? sure. But you know, it would be a great time. There, there's plenty of collections of like. The best of Judge Dredd, the best of this creator, the best of this, you know, one story through it. Um, yeah. 2080 is so cool. I mean, like, just in the stuff I read from the early days, it was so much fun. It was like uh, a story about a bunch, like, they, <laughs> in the future, the world is going through a famine, but they're technologically advanced enough to have time travel. So they send back like kill squads to the prehistoric age to harvest dinosaurs for their meat, <laughs> which is like yeah. uh, stuff like that. And making that into a long running series. Very fun. Um, and uh, I think and, but, 2000 AD yeah. and heavy metal, yeah. a.k.a. Metal Hurlant, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's favorite comic are the two coolest like late 70s into the 80s, like non-US books, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that that are like not super well known or or well covered, especially in the American comics landscape, because of difficulties accessing the material, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, especially for for heavy metal, which was French metal hurt a lot. I think they don't know was was French, yeah, yeah, because you get all the Moebius stuff, yeah, in there initially. Because Moebius, I think, as an artist, is like is so hard to follow. Yeah. Or at least I found them very hard to follow. Yeah, because it's like, all right, you got the ink cal or whatever, but then it's like, it's like, can I just like get like a normal collection <laughs> of like this dude's work? Like, how do I? It's very hard, I think. Um, so anyway, I think those two are like, yeah, two thousand. Those are definitely on my bucket list of like, I would just, I want to spend a lot of time sinking into these because it seems like a ton and they of have, work came out of here. They have so many really nice collections of everything. Right, they have just kind of general. Well, like dread, of... like dread is super well collected. Obviously, yeah. Like, yeah. like when people think of two thousand AD, they're you know generally they're thinking of dread. But I, like that's I want to read some of the other stuff because I you know I haven't read that much dread, but I did a bit you know. Yeah. Um, it's but the fun. other stuff I haven't read at all. Yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some fun surprises in there. Yeah, two thousand AD is one of those things where the difficulty in choosing it would be in like curating a selection to read. Right. For sure. Kind of right. like uh, Archie. I've been eye buying eyeballing Archie comics and again it would be like we'd have to find the right collections you know modern collections to to read because there's Did just you, so much of it am I remembering correctly that you grew up on some Archies or am I making Mm-mm. that up nope I've never really read no. any Archie not me okay okay same I mean I read some of the new stuff you know when they when they kind of rebooted with Mark Wade and mm-hmm. Jim Zdarsky in like 2016 yeah. But, like, classic Archie? Yeah. I mean, except for, like, Archie vs. the Punisher. I mean, I have not. Well, all our Fantagraphics reading has, like, really made me want to get into that because of, like, Love and Rockets. Oh, okay. Because Love oh, and Rockets you know is what? so influenced by that. You should do, if you do Archie, you have to do the Brubaker Phillips criminal arc that does uh, that does Archie but in the criminal verse. Ooh, that sounds fun. That arc is so good. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. Watchmen for Archie. Huh. Really good. Okay. Well, that actually doesn't sound very good. <laughs> Watchmen for Archie. No. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, sir, I, I hear you. Okay. I it's awesome. I love it. Watched season one of Riverdale. <laughs> That's about what I have for for Archie stuff. Uh, but I'm, um, I'm curious, definitely. But yeah, I know it's not representative necessarily of, of what else you like. Yeah. That, that I think Riverdale me. is representative of 
every good fever dream you've ever had, but maybe <laughs> yeah, the, not the yeah. Archie comic book series. But I, I've here's seen the a... thing is that I only watched season one, so I only got the, the boring, bad version of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. okay, here's, here's the thing about Riverdale. You know, you get all these headlines of, like, <clears throat> River uh, Archie's a demon hunter now, or, like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, the new season of Riverdale takes place in a parallel mirror universe uh, where everybody has gills or whatever. But then, uh-huh. like, the actual experience of watching it, it's not that fun. Like, Rose watched all of it, and I saw a fair amount of it around her. And I'm like, it's still, like, yeah, sure, they're doing, like, demon sacrifice. They're sacrificing Jughead <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> uh, Bahamut. But it's still not that yeah. interesting. It's still kind of Riverdale. It's, it's like, that it's, reading I mean, I've said this before, <clears> about it the experience of reading about fun. it yeah. Yeah, seems like the, the ideal way to actually consume Riverdale. Yeah. But it's also it's also entered that zone of like and you could you could say anything happened on the show and I'd believe it and chuckle yeah. and still never watch I'm it. I'm pretty sure you know? like one of the three things I just said is true. <laughs> and the I other think the demon not. secretary yeah, yeah. is true. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm watching Friday Night Lights right now. Dave, you ever watch that show? Oh you know, I watched like a season and a half. Yeah. And my wife checked out on it and I, I didn't feel strongly enough to keep going but i mm. i hear it talked about so reverentially yeah that's what that i'm i'm always curious i've had years of that of people being like it's just incredible and i was like i don't know it's like a it's an nbc teen drama like how good could it be i'm like six seven episodes in it's really good damn it's good. <laughs> yeah like yeah it, it's all style like the style is so good they have that like free camera cinema verite thing they let the actors really like set their own blocking and you know trying to choose their deliveries and improvise a little bit and like it's it's really good you know what happened might have happened though is uh season two was a writer strike uh victim yeah and so it got apparently i haven't gotten to season two yet but it's like great first season pretty bad second season great third and fourth seasons and you know what i think season two is when we stopped so maybe that's that's the season where like if yeah, it falls off, I guess, because of that. So, you know, I've I've heard push through that. But yeah, I'm yeah. watching some old NBC dramas right now, and it's pretty pretty good, pretty good show. I d- I do think people have a lot of reverence for like that and Lost, you know, and like mm-hmm. just this yeah. like Lost this moment, and like obviously like like The Office, you know, this moment of like network shows, like like that was probably the last the last hurrah for network shows, just being like the peak, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the mm-hmm. pinnacle sure. before everything migrated to streaming. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel, yeah. feel like, you know, and it, like, I think the thing with those two is like, you had so many people watching all those at the same time because yeah. that was still how people consumed, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's like, that's kind of the thing with House of Powers, like on the comic side, where it's like, it's so rare to have everyone congregate over a thing. Yeah. You know? And I think there's kind of a magic to that, that like when it happens, you realize like, well, oh, the, this, is, this is a moment. The Barbie Oppenheimer thing is like a yeah, little sure, bit of that in movies. And it's like the first time we've had that with movies that are not. Uh, you know, like superhero stuff in yeah. a long time, I think. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, still got to catch Barbie. I haven't caught up with Barbie yet. But I, yeah. we've actually been just kind of like letting, seeing other stuff, prioritizing other stuff that I know will be leaving theaters first. And Barbie will be. Barbie's going to be there for a while. So we'll have time to catch it before it leaves. But. I have a, a pal who is very like critical of like things going woke and stuff. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's like right wing, but has like, like that attitude comes out in a lot of conversation. Could not have given a more glowing review of Barbie. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> like loved it beyond words. Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I'm oh, good. So yeah. Barbie didn't go woke, is what you're telling me. Thank God. Thank uh, God. Good point. Good 
good point. <laughs> I guess that story could be confusing if you're wondering. Uh, some people say that it did. Is why I say that, and I'm sure they're lunatics. Uh, all right. Do, do we want to talk a little Immortal Thor here before we wrap? Sure. So we're, we're just to FYI for people, like, I don't think we're going to talk story spoilers about it. Uh, unless you want to, and then we can just tell them to leave. <laughs> Uh, I don't I, really, have I don't really want to. You can't spoil. talk about it without stories. Uh, well, spoilers. I don't really. It's one issue. I, I honestly, I mean, you, you two like <clears throat> this angle of like comics a little more than me. But the like speculation and jumping into something after one issue and like no, no, I'm not. Well, I'm I don't. Not maybe Charles wants to do that, but that's not. That's not. What I don't want to get in the way. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I'm not. I'm not desperate to speculate about where it's going. I want to talk about it more as well as as kind of this moment, like like we were just saying, and kind of what this brand means and kind of what Al Ewing means to Marvel, you know, I think are interesting things to me. So it's very much a contemporary conversation about where Marvel's at in 2023. If you're not here for that, I mean, you should have bailed 59 minutes ago because that's all we've been talking about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Immortal Thor number one came out this week. Um, It is Al Ewing writing. You got Merton and I do not know or have the ability to pronounce the last name. So apologies there, but a really good artist. Um, named Martin <laughs> did the art for this and it's the you know it's the immortal sequel from Ewing to Immortal Hulk right like this is a brand in a way that they kind of launched with Immortal Hulk which obviously you know Zach you're talking about like oh that book sold well it actually didn't at first and it, it's a it was kind of made news because it started selling better as it went which mm-hmm. is super rare yeah. in comics right usually the progression is first issue sells a bunch you get half that amount for the second issue, right? You lose readership as it goes. Immortal Hulk built readership as it goes, which is, I think, one of the strongest. Well, I mean, arguments like all you need having faith in the uh, It drives me crazy because it's just like, if you have good editors, you can have Will someone Moss, just, which you do, right? But like, you have good editors who see like this book is great. Like, we need to find a way to market it and have the faith in it that like let's keep funding it so it can find that audience because like yes. Yes. This will find the odds. I mean, this is the same thing happens for TV. I mean, Netflix is the Marvel and DC, or Marvel at least, of totally. this where, you know, they cancel stuff after 14 hours of it being released because it didn't, like, hit their streaming metrics enough, even if it's excellent, which, yeah, they don't do excellent. But um, versus, like, HBO, which will have a season of something that does not hit, and they're like, this is great. It has to find that audience. We're going to pitch it, you know signed it up for like at least another season give it another chance to like find that audience and build the word of mouth and stuff um even spider-verse actually right with the like sequel to the spider-verse that first spider-man movie did not make a ton of money and it like did not feel for sure that it was going to have a sequel except i think that it was just like so beloved and everyone who saw it just was like had adored it and by the time the sequel came out you know so many people had seen it and heard about it that uh you know it, the second one became such a huge hit yeah um yeah 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 sorry i don't even remember what we're talking about i'm just i just want to do a fugue thing <laughs> no it's <laughs> it's 100 percent true where it's like have i mean that's that's exactly what i'm trying to say with marvel is like recognize like that that is like you wish and you'd hope that the editors and decision makers could recognize that more frequently than they seem to be able to. Um, but Immortal Thor is, is, you know, is the, the potential follow-up to that brand. Ewing is talking about it like, you know, I'm treating it like Immortal Hulk. You know, I want it to be a run that that is a prestige brand, right? So it's kind of it's kind of Al Ewing, like, nailing down his own prestige corner because Marvel doesn't have a black label, you know? 
Um, the Immortal brand has been used elsewhere, actually. Karen Gillan's writing Immortal X-Men. It's still, like, I love Karen Gillan. I love Immortal X-Men. It still feels a little wrong to me that someone else got to write an Immortal book. <laughs> like, it does feel <laughs> like it should be Ewing's brand. Um, but anyway, Immortal Thor launched, and that's the thing. Question, and it's like, this is Marvel's prestige line, essentially. Someone else will have, because we already had this in the Slack once. Dave, what does the Immortal part have to do with anything? <laughs> do I have to have read Immortal <laughs> Hulk to read Immortal Thor? Uh, well, I do think the, the, so like the gut answer would be no. Marvel would tell you no. I actually think there's a lot of value in reading most of what Al Ewing has done before you read the next thing. First off, because it's generally pretty good. Uh, but second off, this is a writer who plays with their own continuity and with the entire continuity of Marvel's history quite a bit, you know? Uh, so I, you won't, you won't need to have read Immortal Hulk. There will be references, um, and you will probably have. First off, it's great, and you should. But there will yeah. probably be better. There will probably just be more enjoyment if you're kind of in on on some of the Easter eggs. Um, but also, like, it probably won't. It, it, Ewing doesn't do a lot of Easter eggy continuity stuff. He does a lot of building on what others yeah. left behind. Um, like he just did a thing in Venom that flipping blew the top of my head off. The way he <laughs> and I, I won't spoil what it is, but seriously, like, like he just he finds ways to take continuity that you think stinks <laughs> or you think is relevant or you haven't thought about in years and makes it really flipping cool does it all the time it's like absolutely a superpower um so if you're in, if you're like i want to read immortal thor do you have to read 50 issues of immortal hulk to do that no, no. will you have a better time if you did yeah i think you will oh uh, well better time in as much as you'll have read a good comic i don't know do you think it do you do you like cause i read immortal thor one it didn't link into Immortal Hulk for me. Do you think there's going to be a? Uh... I don't think this first issue yeah. really does. I'm I'm talking about down the road. Yeah, okay. I don't think the first because here's the thing is I think people who like have read Immortal Hulk and haven't read Immortal Thor might expect it to be more of like, like Immortal Hulk was very special in in that it was more quote unquote than just a superhero book. Like the the first issue immediately delved into that. This is like a horror comic with superheroes but it's a horror comic yeah. and it's yeah. like it's more of a like psychological book in some ways about like the 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 relationship between Bruce Banner and the Hulks um, Thor is like it's a superhero book it's a great superhero book at least first issue is like great first issue of a superhero book it's a superhero book like it's big blockbuster right. like colorful stuff um, Ooh, it's yeah. not aiming to do it's not aiming to play in the same genre as as uh, as. At least Hulk, not yet. You know, that's the, not... that's the peril of talking about it after issue number one. But like, like, even in the way Ewing has talked about it, like he's not like it's not going to be a, a horror book, right? It's not going to be. It's not going to. Mm-hmm. It's he is talking about it as like a more light, uh, not light, but like a more vibrant and like optimistic book in some ways uh, than than Hulk. Um, but like, I do think just the the title of Immortal and like. The, the comparisons of the two like it's gonna resonate in the some way in in similar ways with like talking about the big cosmic stuff for the Marvel universe uh, mm-hmm. which is a th- uh, thing yep. Ewing does a lot especially recently uh, with like Venom with Defenders Beyond he's like he likes to get at the cosmology cosmology of the Marvel universe and it's different fa- different faces of like similar slash same beings um and so I think, I think the cosmology of 
Immortal Thor will work in similar ways to the cosmology of Immortal Hulk, just because like that's that's the angle Ewing takes to to writing the Marvel cosmology. I yeah. don't expect it's gonna be doing this. I don't expect it's gonna be like about the one below all and like that that kind of like Immortal Hulk uh, cosmic horror stuff. I think it's gonna be getting like where Hulk was getting at immortality through cosmic horror. I think. Ewing is going to do the same thing, not with Cosmic Horror, but with mythology for Immortal Thor. Um, mm-hmm. So I, expect, I honestly expect it to be like, if you want to read one book before Immortal Thor, I'd advise reading more than Immortal Hulk. I'd advise reading Loki, Agent of Asgard, which is the previous Asgard book that Ewing wrote uh, in 2014, 2015, I think, uh, like leading up to Secret Wars. It was like one of my prefer- personal favorite Marvel books, and I, I think will maybe give you a bit more on what Ewing does with with Asgard and with with the gods with mythology um and i i do so it it will play like some some plot points of loki agent of asgard will play into immortal thor more than probably anything in in immortal hulk uh, well i say i've never read any of those loki comics so i recommend that you don't read them cuz i how they had a great e- <laughs> i had a great experience reading immortal thor without having read them so who's to say that you won't also, not. Have I mean, yeah, a bad the, the short answer is you don't need to have you read, read anything them. to so, read Immortal Thor. Like, just uh, what I recommend read you read is Thor Disassembled from 2004, one of my favorite comics of the My Marvelous Year Club. It's true; it uh, links in. It feels like yeah. it links in actually pretty heavily. And I was like, I actually got like that kind of like, oh, I know what this is, kind of uh, vibe from Thor, having just read that in Thor Disassembled. So that's my recommendation, and I recommend that you never read any Loki comics because I don't know if they were that good I would have read them already that's <laughs> <laughs> I, I the worst. can't wait for you <laughs> to read the 2010s and, and read actual Loki comics for MMI I'm, I'm sure I'll like the Ewing ones at least if uh, not the Kieran Gillen ones <laughs> yeah but no it's a, it's a fun it's a really fun first issue I think to Charlotte's point it's definitely more of a a, a new superhero number one than Immortal Hulk. I mean, Immortal Hulk felt like immediately, like the first issue was like, oh, this is this is going for kind of a game-changing approach to Hulk. Mm-hmm. Like this feels like it's going to be something special and then delivered on that promise. Immortal Thor feels more like, this feels like a, a hopeful start to a potentially very good run, but more in the tradition of very good runs. I'm hopeful over the next two, three issues that Ewing kind of figures out a way to convey like okay but what makes it super special <laughs> like like as opposed to like just a thor a good which like which is a very high bar to have set for yourself you know to, to set the bar at game-changing run for a character as opposed to just good continuation in the legacy of 70 years of comics like that's enough generally you know is to like have written one of the next best thor runs um yeah. But the bar is change the game, and and doing it, you know, doing it with Thor, the immortal played into like Hulk cannot die. Doing it with Thor, you're playing with this is a immortal mythological god, right? So you're playing with different glimpses into immortality. Mm-hmm. You know, Hulk definitely was more demonic and horrific. Uh, Thor, obviously, they are gods, right? So it's going to go into the realm of creation and and the cosmos in the ways that Hulk did. Um, it's It's got a ton of potential. But again, the thing for me that's super cool is, one, I just think Ewing is, I mean, I think literally the best superhero comics writer right now and yeah. probably has been for a few years. Um, 
so it's like if you're not reading their stuff um i highly recommend it and again like it really does build on itself i haven't always loved everything they've done you know um their avengers works i think are lesser works a lot of folks disagree uh but their work on like x-men red right now in the x-men universe has been incredible um one of the kind of wildest things about ewing is for someone who has written arguably the best marvel comic book of the last you know 10 years they will also just take on literally any project for any character in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. has also written a Nick Fury one-shot and a 4 issue Wasp series and weirdo, you know, U.S. Avengers stuff, right? Do you stuff, think they right? like, thrive there, or do you think it like they just do weird lesser work for higher stuff? I mean, that's I don't think they thrive there, no. No, I don't. I, I think, but I think one of the... They're more like Mark Grunewald, I think, than than we often think of comics uh, creators, where Grunewald, you know, is kind of this famous, right, like, editor and writer at Marvel, but somebody who was also known as, like, a continuity hound. Mm. And because of that, could kind of just write anything, you know, and would take on all these roles at Marvel as an editor and a writer. Ewing kind of does that, but just as a writer, where it's just like, you know, like, he'll write, like, a solid Ant-Man series, but it's like, yeah, but, like, you're capable of Immortal Hulk, <laughs> so yeah, it's, well, it's like, I mean, you know, like, Claremont used to do the do same that. thing, right? Like, yeah, Claremont. or Claremontian. It's it's an older yeah. style because because a lot of times the freelance, like Karen Gillan, for example, like somebody of that stature, one to two Marvel books, creator own works, right? Like once you hit a certain level, the the assumption of what you'll be doing is like you'll have your creator own side where you're seeking, you know, kind of more critical accolades, and then you try, you know, to do like one to two really cool runs or whatever. Like, right now, Ewing's writing Venom, X-Men Red, Immortal Hulk, has an Avengers Inc. book starring Wasp as, like, a detective <laughs> coming. Um, maybe is writing so many... It's just, like, constantly has, like, a million things on their plate. And that, that makes me a little nervous, but it also makes me really impressed. Because it's, like... I, that's hard to do. Like, nobody mm-hmm. does that. Nobody has that many books on their plate, and one of them or two of them are, like, the best in the publisher's line. Like in my in my favorite Marvel comics right now, like three of the top seven are Ewing written books. Like that's wow. possible. Like like if he if tomorrow he was like I'm signing a DC exclusive, Marvel is screwed. Marvel ha- like Dave, every like, they have Dave's nothing. And tatters, yeah. Well, I would just I would just I mean genuinely I would move to DC. Yeah, yeah I yeah. would move with him. Yeah. You know, um, you'd move would, to no, Washington move to the city. To yeah, I would move to Washington D.C. <laughs> to start my career as a politician to yep. <laughs> legislate that Al Ewing move back to Marvel. Yeah. I would make him sign an exclusive with Marvel. No, it's just like what a what a valuable presence for Marvel right now. Like I just think it's underrated how central he is to just keeping them afloat. I mean, right yeah, the, the insane, the, oh my god, the insane thing is, it feels like to a lot of people, Hickman is like the. And in in some ways he is he's like the big Marvel architect, but like yeah. he hasn't done a big Marvel like he has upcoming stuff, but like he hasn't done a big Marvel thing in, in four years now, right? Um, I mean, Ultimate Invasion is coming out right now, and it's and okay. it doesn't have that heft. It's, yeah, it's it's definitely not Huxbox, right? It's no. like he like Ewing is like I I was thinking about this in comparison to what we're reading right now for MMY. Um, and like Bendis becoming the the architect of of Marvel in the in the two thousands in the in the disassembled and like and then event e- event event era um, event uh, event thank you <laughs> event era of Marvel 
<laughs> it happens. Um, yep. <laughs> but I feel like right now Ewing is that for Marvel. Like he, like he's not doing big events. Like the only big event he did recently was Empire, and that was like it was okay, right. but that didn't have like a great reception. Um, but like I on actually the day don't to day, know. He's doing the big runs. Like he's doing the the big. He's driving the ship, right? He's he's doing the thing. Like what's the next big thing to get excited about? Um, while not having the like public profile, I guess like he's not he has, he right. doesn't have as much of like a p- public personality as Hickman. Like everyone, there's kind of a cult of personality around a Hickman that there isn't uh, around uh, Ewing. I feel like. Well, there's also you raise an interesting kind of counterpoint. I don't think they would view themselves as antagonists in any way. They seem pretty friendly. No, yeah. Elaborate. Um, but it, I think amongst fandom, there's definitely like. If you just said who's the biggest writer in comics, you'd get a lot of votes for Jonathan Hickman, right? Um, outsized presence. We're talking American comics. We're not talking just like you know Dave Pilkey and Brandon Telkemeyer and the actual true answers, right? If we're just talking like American, especially superhero comics, you get a lot of Hickmans. You wouldn't get a lot of Ewings. Um, if you said who's shaping the Marvel universe, it often feels like Ewing is in like the co-captain's chair, but never actually on the steering wheel. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't know if that's by choice if that's because it's not a role that they're best suited for or if it's if it's a thing that should happen and you know because a lot of times when it feels like al's about to you know take over marvel cosmic for example and he's writing guardians of the galaxy all of a sudden he's on to the next thing and i don't know yet if that's editorial driven or if that's kind of his own his own interests just kind of shift a lot you know where he's kind of just like i want to write everything um, but it, you know, cause if, if, if you're saying like, how would you summarize the 2004 to 2010 Marvel event era? You'd say, oh, it's the Bendis era. There will not be people saying that about 2017 to 2023 about L. Ewing, right? Yeah. Um, it's not that centralized. So I, I, I kind of, there's a part of me that kind of wants to see that, I guess is the thing, right? Like I kind of want to see what would this look like if you actually gave his creative vision full attention for three to four years yeah not just co-writing an event with dan slot like i'm talking about driving the marvel universe somewhere because i don't think he's gotten the opportunity to do that yet and i mean it's like i don't know how much i'm going to like it's not i'm it's not a conspiracy theory or anything but like hickman ewing writes more queer characters and more characters of color than hickman uh, in his books usually like that's I don't know if that's a thing that plays into Marvel editorial being like, oh, we can't, we can't do that for too long, right? Um, like, I don't, I don't know if that's really a thing, but it also feels like maybe Ewing doesn't quite have the Hickman profile to be able to to push that, right? To be like, I, this is a package deal. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's probably it's an interesting thing to explore. I'm sure everyone there would deny that as a as yeah. a root cause or anything. And I and I think, admittedly, there are other factors at play i mean some of it too is just like hickman kind of came of age in an era of of kind of star making at marvel you know like you had bendis fraction hickman jason aaron rick remender kieran gillen to a lesser extent all kind of coming into marvel and and getting like this real massive publicity boost of celebrating writers at Marvel Comics, and then all of them had the opportunity to kind of launch into create their own superstar careers, and mostly delivered, you know? Um, 
and Ewing comes about five years after that. You know, so it's one of those things yeah. where it's like he kind of just came in in a wave, like a wave too late, um, and kind of missed the wind well, I mean, and I, then I, he never like he did what he did. We only find them when they're dead. But like other than that, he never took the time. To, he never no, not took the time, but he never like stepped back from Marvel to to get that name recognition elsewhere. Right? He hasn't written, written a knockout creator owned. Yeah, is the other thing. Um, his best work is is licensed stuff, and it, it, I feel like the comps are maybe like. Like a Donny Cates or like a Tom King, you know, are the creators who really shot to superstardom in the in the mid part of the 2010s, and both of them did that on the backs of licensed stuff, yes, but also creator own works. You know, people were yeah. raving about God Country. People were raving about Sheriff of Babylon. Ewing never had that moment. He has actually. he has no independent comics. That really surprised me. Um, well, no, that's not true. I mean, he's. We only find them when their dad is coming out from Boom. Oh, I forgot that's yeah. him. All right, and he he's did, got one independent. Comic. And he did like two thousands AD stuff, but like he. Well, yeah, know. but like that's yeah very early stuff. He didn't yeah. get like a creator owned. He's not doing creator owned runs, you know. No, yeah. Which is interesting and a little unique in the landscape, I think. That's why I think of him as old school, right? As more of that Claremontian or or Grunewald era kind of eighties writer, where it's like the out there weren't outlets for creator owned in the way there are now. You know, so it was like if you were a comics writer, you kind of just you did a bunch of licensed stuff, and that's kind of where Ewing fits into things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it there is, I think there is a genuine like, okay, people who love this stuff and are are online and talking about it all the time tend to love valuing. But if you're just going, I don't know, it, it's like a like an inside baseball pick to a degree because he he came in a wave where that the Wes Anderson wasn't the degree. of Marvel comics, <laughs> the Wes Anderson. Yeah, I don't know, like. Kind of, probably like your mom doesn't know who he is, but like anyone who's like my mom oh. loves Wes Anderson. How dare you? Huge does, Fantastic does Mr. Fox fan. Yeah, does actually. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My maybe Fantastic family. Mr. Fox kind of yeah. broke through a little and bit. But TikTok is full of like AI recreations of Aluin comics, right? That's that's also another point of comparison. <laughs> oh, did you not get that one, Zoomer Zach? No, I, I did a little. I did a oh, little okay. chuckle. I, I smirked, oh, okay. uh, which you know didn't come across. A on silent the... smirk of derision. <laughs> Sorry, Charlotte. <laughs> no worries. Uh, anyway, I think he, I think he's probably he's the most interesting creator at Marvel. Um, I I think it's a very interesting creator to talk about. I I want more people to read Alu in comics because I do feel like they're. It's weird to say about this creator who's had so much success and so many quality runs and wrote flipping Immortal Hulk, but it's like kind of needs more celebration. Or something, yeah. You know, to convince Marvel to be like, oh, okay, here are the keys. Because, um, like you said, like Hickman has definitely has the like shape the universe keys right now. This new God series will be really interesting because it's a big swing again. I think that's the one where it's like, Hox Pox is the bar. You know, yeah. Um, do you still have it? Can you do it a second time? But uh, but we'll see. What's going on with the Ultimate Universe? Is it uh, live again? I have not, not yet. been plugged Almost. into this at all. Almost. Not yet. Okay. All right. I'll stay. I'll it's stay. cooking. It's cooking. Are you excited about the return of the Ultimate no. Universe? Either of you? Well, no. Not if... I, wait. Well, okay. Is it just like the one that we already had? But Well, we don't know yet. We don't know Okay. Yet, for sure. If it's the one we already... If it has literally any ties to the one we already have, I don't... I could care less. Like, yeah. I do not care at all to see... And I'm seeing... I've been seeing like the Brian Hitch covers that have like the, uh, the Ultimates, right? The version of the avengers on it and i'm like i don't even written by hickman i'm like not that interested like i might give it a shot because it's him but oops sorry not my mic um 
but uh, yeah, no, I, you I'd be nice about Hickman. Oh, I said it, because it's because it's Hickman. Like I'd be a little interested, but like no, I only interested in Ultimate Comics if it just did the same thing again and relaunched like you've been pitching for years and years, and just were like we're right. doing a new Ultimate Universe with you know. Uh, like Black Panther this time is going to be like the centerpiece and whatever yeah. Some, something brand new and that yeah. is not but just bringing even, back the one yeah. yeah even then I think part of I, I'm i interested in a new, new Ultimate Universe but I think part of me is just like what if you have a good idea for the Ultimate Universe use it in 616 yeah sure <laughs> use big ideas for the ma- main Marvel Universe right like, well and hmm. DC kind of does this now but like they have these fun ideas that they don't really want to fit into continuity and then yeah. they just have so much space for all these, like, Black Label Maxi series yeah. to do, like, that Batman story that they can't quite fit into a real Batman run. So, like, they do that. So, it almost is, like, lazy to just be like, all right, well, if you want to have new, fresh ideas for the Marvel Universe, stick them in this, you know, pocket universe instead of just integrating them. So, yeah. That was yeah. My, my pitch was combining those two ideas and ultimate the ultimate universe becomes like ultimate comics becomes your black label essentially so like an ultimate comic story is just a multiverse story and it's an opportunity to tell a prestige story in five issues you know so instead of telling another ongoing comics universe and to charlotte's point you know it's like if you're making it new reader friendly or you have you know a focus on queer characters and more diverse characters like for the love of god just do that in 616 yeah like they're all there too um i i like the most the idea of like okay this is our black label competitor i mean and yeah. we tell stories across the multiverse where this is our prestige line essentially i mean they're i think they're kind of already i mean they're not doing that like as big but like pitch momoko's um what's the name uh something days demon days is like demon kind days, of that yeah. in a way like it's it's ongoing but it's like her own universe of like yeah, totally. marvel characters in like kind of a japanese folklore and fantasy universe like doing a it's like alt alt universe but like it's it's doing it's giving between an imprint and an ongoing to like a singular creative team right yeah marvel yeah. 1602 right marvel 1602 that, right you know, at you dc know. you have what? like white knight is kind of that i think like doing something similar to that would be interesting but that like you can't keep that going for 15 years in the way the ultimate universe did right like it mm. either has to be a thing where there's multiple versions of that running at a time or like it changes every year or every two okay. years. Like you give a creator one year to do their own ultimate universe and then it reboots after a year and a half and like another person. Or even like thing. four years, right? Like yeah, a little sure. bit of, yeah, because you're right. Uh, sorry, just Dave, um, I just learned that you can't learn when I'm just smirking. But when I did say Marvel 1602, I had a little stinker s- smile on my face. I was going to make sure. <laughs> Uh, you were aware of that Uh, yeah it it is actually it's a good point to think about like the failures of the ultimate universe and you know we're we're all pretty uniquely positioned to do so where that like at some point it just was like treading water and you know like they i don't know yeah i kind of need like if you are going to have this pocket universe you can use the full um power of that that you can do what you want here to say like let's have an ending roughly in mind right like let's have a start and an end to this because when yeah. the ultimate universe ended it just kind of well because and think, it was not on a yeah. big conclusion just was like all right well i guess we're done with this now and then it just wraps up and it because i think does... when we talk about marvel, the ultimate universe most people think of like 
anything from the beginning of Ultimate Spider-Man to Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then like yep. only Miles yep. after that. Yeah. But like, yep. totally. there is a, v- a little Ultimate bit of the Hickman it's like, stuff. It's not a good ending it, for the Marvel, for the Ultimate Universe, yeah. but like it does feel like an ending in a way that's like, you can't really recover, f- recover from that and act like it didn't happen. Mm. Um, it's like, I, yeah, it's, I know if the Ultimate Universe would have been better as a whole if it had ended with Ultimatum because it's like a really stinky ending. Um, but like it, it's an ending, right? And feels yeah. like more of a cohesive and like singular thing if it if it ends with that. Um, and after that, it just becomes it becomes six one six again. It becomes like a, a, a big sprawling thing that it's too too huge to to get into. I will Ugh. not be surprised Comics. at all. Who likes if, them? <laughs> <laughs> I will not be surprised if it is the the version that we all don't want. I, I think yeah. that's yeah. actually the most likely scenario. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You know, because it's okay. there's going to be an Ultimate Universe number one. I think they're just going to try to relaunch it the way they've always relaunched things. They're going to do 8 million variant covers with number one issues for new books, you know. And uh, I mean, and it's not going to yeah. be as, as forward thinking. As My hope is that at the very least, it takes inspiration from the X office, right? Like having creators drive the ship, whether it's like a singular creator or like a, a team of creators, but like having them collaborate on telling, even if each person has their singular series, like on creating uh, a tapestry of things and like leading towards a collective next point, if not ending, right? That's like, yeah. that's how yeah. the X-Men universe has been able to sustain itself in the Krakow era. And I feel like that's that's a good model for, for an ultimate mm-hmm. universe, if you're going to do it in a similar way that the previous one has been done. Yeah, I would agree. Agreed. I would agree. Uh, uh, final final thing here. Yeah. My manga this year has returned to Berserk. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, finally. I've, I went back to Berserk and have uh-huh. read volumes four five through seven there you the go. last few nights. Yeah, you gotta that's where you gotta get <laughs> into that. Uh... It is so good. It mm-hmm. is so flipping good. I'm loving it. I just oh my gosh, the art. Like the art in this book. Out of this world. Out of this world. Kentaro Miura is just incredible. Um I'm having a great time. I think I was kinda like I like it, but I'm a little on the fence. Probably that when I first, talked with you that about first it back arc when. in the first three volumes is like that was a little tough. It's an odd like, choice. It, the thing is, the second time you read it, you're like, all right, this is great because you kind of yeah, have yeah. the context for it. But like that first reading, like it really does take a little bit of a, you know, push to feel, yeah, yeah, to get through it, I guess. You can feel it finding its footing a little yeah. bit too. But now that like we're like, I'm purely in flashback and kind of like getting the connections and understanding where things are going and all that. Like mm-hmm. it's, man, I love it. <laughs> like I can't get, the other night I was thinking, I was I was feeling I was like I've done a, I feel like I'm doing homework all the time like I'm trying to catch up on what's new this year and books people are sending me and all this stuff and you know I was like I just want to read something that I think is going to be good <laughs> like can I do that can yeah. I just read something that I think is going to be great and my first thought was I should read some more Berserk um, and it was just yeah that and uh, I finally finished I had never I, I started it and I never finished it um, the Rom V uh, the Many Deaths of Layla Starbuck from Boom Ooh, Studios yeah. five issues oh my gosh that's, that's good. incredible so flipping good. Uh, which I knew it was good from like reading the first issue, but then I like never actually finished the thing, which was dumb. Uh, but man, that was a that was a great read. Zach, have you read that? I think I read the first issue when it came out, and then I never like finished yeah. it. But it's on my 
it yeah. definitely reads better as, like, as a whole. Like, yeah, big yeah, yeah that's kind of what oh, I yeah. thought. I bought like issue one from the store. Yeah. So um, Ron I think it's a uh, Felipe Andrade. Um, yeah. But yeah, just like perfect, like five issue magical realism comic. Love it. It's a uh, it's interesting with Berserk, you know, with him dying, with it still running like. Uh, that art is like one of my biggest concerns with you know because someone's like yeah I have his notes and he told me how it, where he wants it to go and oh really someone yeah someone they're picked up the, the reins uh, like it's, doing the David Foster Wallace thing like an entire another volume has already come out post his death uh, oh it's like, so like it's actually it's already happened oh it's already happened realize. in like there are many chapters into it like it's been going yeah but like my biggest concern would be like that art you know can you replicate that in the you know the author who's taking it over is like I'm not gonna do anything that he didn't specifically tell me you know where he's going with the story and stuff but yeah um yeah anyway i mean the the i read to the end of the arc you're on now and stopped which is i think the end of like volume 13 or something and like uh-huh. and it feels very satisfying there and i do want to keep reading it but like you know if you're hesitant to get into it because it doesn't necessarily have an ending yet or you know the author died and who knows how the real ending well i it's still it's still really worth your time um, yeah i mean i'm so far from the ending certainly yep. that it's definitely not not something i'm thinking about and i just i i don't think i guess like like chainsaw man mm-hmm. act, and again i don't read a ton of manga obviously but like for me that's the the other most recent manga where i was like just like the kinetic energy of the art mm-hmm. like just like kind of kind of overwhelms but also like in the most kind of exhilarating way yeah you know like and, and berserk is doing that in the late 80s and early 90s you know 30 years ago mm-hmm. um probably better you know just and it just like it's oh, just yeah 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 <laughs> the energy on every page is is preposterous it's like how did you even do this there's literally times where i look at it and i'm, try, I'm trying to think like imagine drawing this right i'm like imagine like trying to trace this <laughs> you know and yeah. i'm like how would i do that and i that's always kind of a fun experiment but with this i'm like i'm like i don't even know how you did this there's so many lines <laughs> how did you make this work <laughs> um you you gotta you know Chainsaw Man and Berserk being like these high watermarks for you. You got to check out Doro Hidoro. I'm I'm reading it right now. And oh, I like... I read uh I read the first two volumes. I thought we talked about it. I really enjoy Doro Hidoro. I love the art. Oh, I love the art in Doro Hidoro. Oh yeah, maybe you did. Yeah, sorry. Um, if I forgot about that. Oh yeah, no, I'm I mean... I'm on volume seven eight right now, and uh, it's just it's incredible. Um, okay, so I should so I should keep going though like oh it yeah keeps, keep, I keeps mean, it, it keeps up. up yeah 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 for sure yeah. i mean it, it's interesting because the anime um ended after like volume like what the manga did for volume like three or something like that yeah. it keeps going and i kind of keep being like i'm only i'm not even halfway through the series like that's nuts it doesn't feel like you know it has that much left but you know it kind of keeps building and justifying itself so yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really loving it nice here's my here's my my manga this year books that i'm kind of tracking where i'm at slam dunk mm. spy x family mm-hmm. chainsaw man doro hidoro full metal alchemist which mm. is the, the one i'm the farthest on i made volume 10 um real which is the takahiki inue uh, wheelchair basketball mm-hmm. manga it's really good uh and asadora which is urasawa and then uh and then berserk mm. those are all the ones that i'm kind of like dipping in and out of this year cool. Uh, but right now it's it's all berserk all the time and it rules. Yeah, yeah, I get that too. Where I'm reading a bunch and then like one of them just grabs me by the lapels <laughs> and I yeah I really focus hard on one. So. Cool. Yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're having a good time with that. Those uh, Dark Horse puts out those beautiful hardcovers of Berserk that are really well like uh, 
pretty affordable. They each contain three volumes of Berserk, and then they're these big, like, let me see, what is it? Seven by ten inch hardcovers. Um, yeah. Really nice printings, and they're like 35 bucks a pop, which is like, it's not cheap, but it's not it's not that expensive for like what you get, I think. Um, so yeah, I've been collecting those as those come out, and uh, and they just caught up to the... Uh, so what number is it at? at now 14 which is those which catches the end of like the original author's run so okay yeah so they're all caught up now i mean dark horse sometimes doesn't reprint these things so if anyone's interested you know it's the time to start collecting although it is like i have one shelf that is just this (laughs) huge just 14 huge black volumes of this one thing it takes up so much space um sure but yeah yeah all right. Uh, thanks for that. That was that was as promised. Kind of a rambling variant cover all over the place, but I think we had some fun conversations. Uh, I didn't have any fun. I'm too angry to have <laughs> yeah, fun. Dave, Dave Benton. If you want to hear Dave, uh, I, <laughs> Dave, you told me everything you wanted to talk about, and I jokingly was like, just go on your live stream, talk about it, um, and then you know we agreed to do this, and then I looked, and you did. <laughs> I saw your episode come out of your, your other podcast, yeah, Best yeah. Comics Ever, and it was like, literally the agenda you set for this podcast is just what you talk about. That. So if you want to talk about, you want to hear Dave talk about all these things again, but without us, uh, Best Comics Ever podcast. I, I cracked up when I read the like episode description. It was like literally the three things that you brought to the... T- oh, no, it wasn't because we didn't talk about CBR. All right. If you want to talk, hear about all mm. this, but also... You know what? I, don't, I think I included CBR on the agenda. For my live stream, but I actually don't think I touched on it. Uh, I'm writing about that. That'll be in my my newsletter, which you can find over on comicbookherald.com. You can subscribe very easily. Uh, Yeah, CBR uh, continues to die a very slow, painful death, and it it kind of embodies, frankly, what is a no-good, very bad time to have a comic book website. So I'll be writing about that. Yeah, I think Elon Musk is going to dig us out of this, though, so... Yeah, you are save. you are a big uh, a big believer in Musk's uh, promises. You, you if really anyone think he's can turn save, you know, new media, internet journalism, it's going to be yeah. Musk. Yeah, yeah, right. All right, thanks, thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Good episode. Thank you both. Long episode. <laughs> yeah, very long. Thank episode. you just for listening. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Good job. True true fan if you're still listening. Yeah. Uh, you can support the show over patreon.com slash marvelous year. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. I'm Dave. That's Charlotte. That's Zach. We'll see you next year. See you next, see you next year. year.